So, we are continuing in our series on This is Jesus, heading towards Easter, um, rapidly, it feels, um, but heading towards Easter and this series, This is Jesus. And today, we're going to look at the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, how many of you remember, in a former church or a former life or when you were younger, saying the grace at the end of the church, end of the church service. How many remember that? Yes, yeah, see? Great. Can you remember how it goes? I said to Malcolm, don't put it up to start. Can you remember how it goes? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Now, in the church that I used to go to, it was expected that you were supposed to look at others while you said it. Do you remember that? However, you'd start it off, so you'd say, the grace of our Lord Jesus. And as you went to say it, and you'd look at someone, they would then look at someone else. And so you'd, you'd go, the grace of our Lord Jesus, the love of God, fellowship, uh, amen. And then we look at each other. Um, yes, it's obviously bringing back some memories uh, for some of you. We, we can put it up. Does anybody know where it comes from? I mean, is it, is it just part of the church's liturgy or does it, where does it come from? It comes from the Bible. It comes from the Bible. It's the very last verse of Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. It's his, it's his final word. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. That's Paul's great prayer. And in many ways, it's the heart of Paul's teaching right the way through uh, the New New Testament. It's a phrase that Paul uses a lot throughout his letters. So Galatians chapter 6, verse 18, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, brothers and sisters. Other places is, be with your spirit, be with your very heart. Philippians chapter 4, verse 23, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 28, 2 Thessalonians 3, 18. Same phrase, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, be with you. He keeps saying it. And as we look at this phrase, I'm going to ask two questions. I just want to read one more, uh, 1 Timothy 1, 14 the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly. <clears throat> I love that phrase. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So there is a mini-sermon, uh, three, three-part sermon there straight away. But I want to look at two key questions briefly this morning as we look at this phrase, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. What is it? And then, what does it mean to us? What effect does it have on us? So the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, what is it? Well, it's distinct. It's a distinct and it's a gift. Okay, it's something that is specific, it's distinct, but it's also a gift. As we just read, 1 Timothy 4.14, the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with faith and love. So it's something distinct, it's something to be understood. It's not the the same as faith. Obviously it works very closely with faith, very closely with love, and as we'll find out in a minute, very closely with mercy, but it's distinct. 
grace. But it's also abundant. It's, it's poured out. It's a gift. It's not something that I, I make or I do. It's something that is from above. Okay? So it's distinct and it's a gift. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9 is one of the, the verses that really drew me to this. The last couple of weeks, I've just had this verse rolling around and round in my heart. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that for your sake, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might become rich. It's an incredible transaction that is going on there. Now that verse is a verse that's in the context that I spoke of a few weeks ago when we were talking about giving. Um, but what, it, and what it's talking there it primarily is about motivation. That these Macedonian Christians uh, were in great poverty, but out of this revelation and understanding, their hearts overflowed. That as the grace of God had overflowed to them... So they overflowed in the grace, in that instance, of giving. We'll come back to that perhaps a little while later. But you know the grace that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. And I think the other verse that helps us just to understand that a bit more as we set this out, as we, as we get going, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It's an astonishing verse. I often quote that verse. It's an incredible verse. But there is this amazing transaction, this transformation that has happened, and it's all because of the grace of God. Something has been displayed, something rich, something abundant, something glorious has been displayed to us. Of course, we know, uh, as, as reformed evangelicals, we might sometimes describe ourselves, we would say it's the grace of God that has saved us from our sin. Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 8 and 9, very, very famous, goes right the way back to the Reformation. It is by grace you have been saved, through faith. It's not of yourself, it's a gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. No work, no effort on my part, nothing that I can do. I don't bring anything to the table. It's by grace I have been saved. Through faith, through believing Jesus Christ and the work on the cross and his resurrection. It's not of myself. It's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Now, some of us will have heard this many, many times. We want to come to some application in a few moments. But we just need to get it deep, deep, deep into our hearts, into our spirits. I mentioned a a number of times since I've been here, I grew up in a very strict and very legalistic church. It was, much of life was about rules and regulations. Literally everything, the length of our hair, the clothes we wore, the food we ate, uh, the people we mixed with or didn't, the places we went or didn't go, um, that was the world in which I lived. 
Mum and Dad would secretly uh, nip off down to Leap very often. I used to wonder why we used to go to Leap. I discovered later on in life, one, it was because my mum was an islander, so she wanted to see the island. But the other thing was, no one would ever think to find us at Leap Beach. You know, they wouldn't, they wouldn't go. We used to walk all the way through the country park and woods down to this, this beach. And it, it was because they were, they were trying to do things secretly because they were in such fear of the Lord's. Such fear of the regulations of breaking. So we didn't have a tally and we didn't have a radio and we didn't have pets and we didn't belong to clubs and we didn't go on holidays. And you say, Mark, what a life. I want to tell you, actually, I had much joy in my family uh, and uh, I had a good family life in many ways. But it, it was, you lived with a sense of the laws. Am I breaking the laws? And so what happens in that environment is you spend much of your life trying to please others, trying to please God by your works. Very rarely feeling like you've done enough to accept, uh, to earn God's acceptance. And it wasn't until I began to hear the message of grace primarily through the, <clears throat> the family of churches called New Frontiers and that wonderful father, Terry Virgo. I began to hear this message of grace. I'd never heard a message like it. That God's love, God's favor, God's blessing on my life had nothing to do with me. Had nothing to do with my behavior or my works. It was all because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that had been lavished on me, in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And more than that, there was nothing that I could do to increase, to make God love me more, and there was nothing that I could do to remove it to make God love me less. Even now, after all these years, and I'm sure for some of us, I still have to fight the urge to do something in order to be accepted by God. Now, some of you, theologically astute and reading your Bible, say, Mark, but we are called to a life, a life of obedience. Yes, we are. We absolutely are. We, we are. We have been made holy. We are being made holy. But I, we so quickly get on to the things that we need to do to please God. I want us to grasp again today, freshly, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ towards us. It's not based on our works. If we can get hold of it, it brings us into a real place of freedom. It also enables us to bring freedom to others, but I'm getting a bit ahead of myself. just want to do a very quick, brief reminder. I've done this, I know, perhaps last year when I spoke on this, but I'll do it again. A quick reminder of the difference between mercy and grace, because they're often linked together. Can you remember? Remember this? Think about mercy when someone's asking for mercy. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Okay? That's what mercy is. It's not getting what you did deserve. Mercy, mercy. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's perfect holiness. We deserve the righteous judgment of God. But in his mercy and his love, God has not given us what we deserve. He's not given us what we deserve. Instead, he has lavished his grace upon us in giving us what we didn't deserve. 
Because of the grace of the Lord Jesus, I get what I didn't deserve. I deserved punishment and I got forgiveness. I deserved wrath and I got love. That's the math of of the gospel, as Philip Yancey calls it. It's an equation clearly laid out in those verses that we read just now, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's his grace and mercy. Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might become rich. You did not deserve it, but you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. He caused you to become rich beyond your imagination. Rich in Christ. Rich in God. Seated with him in heavenly places. Some of you need to start smiling. Otherwise, I'm going to give up speaking. This is great truth. Great truth. So important for us to grasp. The grace of God is not based on who and what we are, It's based on who and what he is. See, if the grace of God is based, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is based on my efforts, if it's based on my behavior, then when I fail badly in my walk with God or simply go through a time of feeling unloved, I will quickly become full of guilt, self-doubt, blaming myself. I will rapidly find myself getting into a must-try-harder kind of mode. Am I the only one who must try harder? (laughs) Must try harder. I must read my Bible every day. I, I must pray more. I must put in more effort. I must, I should. I've said to you before, I say it again, the two most dangerous words in the Christian faith are must and should. If you're saying them to yourself or you're saying them to someone else or someone is saying them to you, I want you to put up big red warning flags. Must and should. You can and you might and you will, but there is a grace. There is a grace. But you know what also it can lead us to? And I love some of the song choices that were coming today and particularly that one about fear. One of the things that if my walk with God, if my understanding of grace is based on me and my actions, when I fail, when I fall, when I trip up, it will quickly lead to fear. Fear. God will stop loving me if he finds out the real truth about me. Brothers and sisters, can I give you a little surprise? He already knows everything. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Forgive me those who are on freedom in Christ this week, but you're you're getting it rehearsed again. (laughs) That's what I love about freedom in Christ and that material, because it's just the Bible, really. While we were dead in our sins, we hadn't done anything, we weren't doing anything, we weren't making it happen. While we were dead, Christ died for us. It's scandalous. It's crazy. It's upside down. Where is the justice? Think of all the 
terrible people in the world. Think of even this, this week, what's happened there in Christchurch. Think of the terrible things that have been done. A price must be paid. A price must be paid. Well, we believe in a God who is just and righteous. He will bring about justice in our world, in now and in eternity. But the amazing maths of the gospel, the good news about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, is that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might become rich. The price has been paid when Jesus died on the cross. God himself gave us his own son rather than to give up on you. Romans 3, 22. This righteousness from God is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified Declared right, freely, by his grace, through the redemption, through the price paying that came by Christ Jesus. Grace is free. It cost us nothing. But it cost him everything. So not only does he take away what we do deserve, the wrath of God, separation from him and death, But he also gives us what we do not deserve, justification. Just as if I had never died. Brought back into line. United with Christ and the gift of eternal life. Hallelujah. Not to mention that we are seated with him in heavenly places. I want to say today that grace is not just about salvation. It's not just about being saved from our sins. Grace is also seen in God's ongoing, unlimited supply of mercy, of love, of strength and of wisdom available to us every day. Every day. Totally undeserved. Nothing we can do to earn it and yet given to us freely in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's wonderful. It's a daily ongoing. It's not just, I'll show you my grace, I'll save you, right? Let's wait for eternity. No, my grace comes to you every day. Graceful living, graceful life. And that's the second half of really what I want uh, to dig into now. Because I, I just felt today particularly that we just need to hear this in our day and age. I need to hear it in my life. We need to hear it in this church. How we are graceful living. <clears throat> John 1:16 From the fullness of his grace we have all received one blessing after another or as the ESV puts it which I love from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace I love one of the games I loved, used to love to play with my girls and now starting to teach my grandsons, although they're a bit little to understand the concept. Do you know the one where you put your hand down and then you put, they put their hand and then you put your hand and then you bring the hand on top, that one? I love doing that one. And then you sort of go up like this. And, but there's always, to me, that picture of grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. It's not just, just a measure, just a pot, just a... Just a measure. No, it's grace upon grace. When you 
dig in, do a little study on the word of grace, you'll find these words like abundance and lavish and overflowing and grace upon grace and, and pressed down, shaken together and running over. That's the definition of grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace, what does it mean for us and what's the effect? Well, uh, did you hear that emphasis I tried to bring there? For we have all received. We have all received. Grace is not just for special Christians. Oh, I'm, I'm this a bit dog-eared, flea-bitten Christian over here, trying to make my way through life. And, but this holy, wonderful, sparkly Christian over here, they got the grace of God. No, 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 no. No, no, no. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received. All of us. It's for every single one of us. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you, holy ones. Be with you, together ones. Be with you, sorted ones. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Something freely given for us all. But it's also something we can grow in. Something we can grow in. 2 Peter 3, 17. Therefore, dear friends... <coughs> oh dear, I've got one of those today, haven't I? <coughs> can you just turn me off a minute, Chris? Or shall I... I'll just turn me off... Right. <laughs> Somebody laughed anyway. <laughs> Where did we get to? 2 Peter 3:17. Therefore, dear friends, since you've been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawlessness and fall from your secure position. Here it is. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. To him be glory now, both now and forever. Peter's saying here, this is something we can grow in. Grow in the grace. Grow in grace. I think it's why the Apostle Paul uses it over and over again in his letters as a, a form of blessing. He says it loads and loads. If you, if you put in grace, Lord Jesus Christ, into any of your search apps, you'll see this, particularly Paul. He said that you might know his grace, that you might know his grace, that you might know his grace. It's clearly something to get hold of. It's something to dig into and it's something to, to grow in. That you might know his grace. 2 Thessalonians 2.16 May our Lord Jesus Christ himself... And God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope. Encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. His grace gives me eternal encouragement and good hope. I've been saved. 
Nothing can snatch me out of his hands. My heart is deeply and internally encouraged. And so because of that knowledge, I'm going to run forward in faith. I'm going to run forward in faith. If I fall or if I fail, must try harder and guilt and condemnation is not going to be my motivation. No, it's the grace of God that will pick me up again and cause me to run again. And to learn and to run again and to learn and run again and to get it deeper and deeper. It will strengthen me. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ strengthens me and encourages me and causes me to grow in every good deed and word. So by God's grace, I know that how I used to react by his grace today is not the way that I react today. Although there are times when I can see myself being childish. And I have a very, very wonderful person beside me who walks with me who will point it out as well. (laughs) But there is a growth, there is a transformation, there is a change. It's the grace of God. It's the grace of God. And it's interesting, isn't it, when we look at people who are older and we say, oh, being older doesn't necessarily make you more mature. Being younger doesn't mean that you haven't learned some great truths. It's, it's appropriate. It's taking hold of these, these great truths and walking in the good of them. So I want to say something as we just begin to round this up and look at application for today, I feel particularly. When we encounter the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, it changes and transforms us. Absolutely, I know it in my own life. As I look at myself back as a, as, a, as a teenager and in my early 20s, the fear of God and the terror of God and all of those kinds of things, not based on my mum and dad primarily, but based on the church and the teaching that we were receiving. And my life beginning to be changed and transformed, but it's an ongoing process and I'm sure that's true for you. But as we encounter the grace of the Lord Jesus It changes us. I just was thinking, even this morning as I got up early and was just reflecting and praying through, there are, we could have done a whole session this morning on the examples right the way through Jesus' life of people that he showed grace to. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ demonstrated. But the two that jumped immediately into my mind, one was Zacchaeus. Remember the story of Zacchaeus? So many of those kinds of stories tend to get put over there in the room next door into, into the children's room. But actually, one of the things I'm mulling on my mind is that actually we need to recover some of those great stories because we need them here with the adults. And I'm thinking maybe for our little summer season um, that we, we try and do, we might just look at some of these great truths. And Zacchaeus is one of them. I'm not going to unpack that all today. You find the story, of course, in Luke 19. But the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's this little man working for the enemy. He's he's not liked by anybody. He's an obnoxious little man, as my mum would have called him if she was still alive. You know? And he's up a tree, he's hiding, he's trying, he's trying to say, and Jesus stops, and what does he say? I must come to your house today. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. He stops under your tree and he says, I must come to your house. What, him, Lord? No, not him. He's a grotty, grotty man. He's against us. He's working for the Romans. You know, the grace. I must come to your house. 
But the thing about it is the response of Zacchaeus to that grace. I give half my possessions to the poor. If I've cheated anyone, I will pay back four times as much. Just to help you understand, that was exaggeration in those days. Jesus, uh, that story, the way it's told there, he could never possibly do what he was saying, but it was a heart response to the grace. I must come to your house. And then I was thinking about the Samaritan woman at the well. Just even that sentence, Samaritan woman at the well. And Jesus comes, sits down beside her. There's a huge display of grace that I haven't got time to go into today as he sits down beside a Samaritan woman at the well and talks with her and accepts a drink from her. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what's the response? She goes and tells everyone, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Surely this is the Messiah. And the whole village comes out. The woman who's out there in the middle of the day, hiding away because of her reputation, the whole village comes to see Jesus and he stayed there. Knowing grace has a profound impact upon our lives. When we encounter the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, it changes us and it transforms us. It causes me to forgive. Because I've been forgiven. It causes me to bless. Because I've been shown blessing. It causes me to be generous like the Macedonians who out of their severe trial and great poverty gave. Because of the undeserved generosity that has been shown to me. Well, you're supposed to give part of your money. No, you're not supposed to do anything. But you have freedom to respond to the grace of God. I just want to say to you, church, as I look at the finances that have come in historically in this church, and even again over these last few weeks, I'm astonished and astounded. I believe it's a response to the the grace of God, and I thank God for that. don't want anybody ever to feel like they must or they should. Someone's checking up, looking over your shoulders. No, I'm responding to the grace of God. Just to note, as we come towards a conclusion, I'd like us to pray together. Very often at the start of his letters, when the Apostle Paul opens with the statement of blessing, which he does about grace, he merges it with another word. Off the top of your head, I don't know if it's gone up yet, Uh, On the top of your head, can anybody think what the other word is that Paul often says? John, what does he often say? Peace. Dave beat you. (laughs) Grace and peace. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 3, right at the start of his letter. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, 2 Thessalonians, grace and peace. Grace and peace. Knowing the grace of God brings peace. Knowing and understanding the undeserved kindness and the love shown to us in Christ brings peace to our souls. 
See, I'm no longer striving to be loved by God. I'm at peace. I'm at rest in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's done it all. It's a completed work. It's a finished work. I'm at peace. Knowing the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ also frees me to show the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. It enables me to be a peace bringer to others. Zacchaeus is that classic example. He's shown grace and peace comes. Peace comes into his life and he begins to be a peace bringer to his community profoundly. I'm going to be really, really honest here for a moment. I'm sure I'm the only person, but sometimes I get frustrated with people. <laughs> if I'm not careful, oh, if I'm not, people, especially people who leave their phones, no, no. <laughs> Sorry, Susan and I are friends, it's all right. So, okay. I hope it's not an emergency, Susan. Please respond to it if it is. Um, knowing and, unders- and understanding the undeserved kindness and love shown to us in Christ brings peace to our souls. And it enables me to be a peace bringer to others. You see, if I'm not careful, I can find myself pointing my finger at others. I get frustrated with them in whatever way. I I point out their weaknesses uh, when I perceive or what I perceive as their failings. If I am completely honest, very often they are weaknesses or failings that I know are in my own life. I don't like them. I don't want them in my own life. But to take the pressure off myself, what do I do? I focus on others and I point it out in others. Pick on their issues instead of coming before God myself. As I begin to grasp the depths of the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that has been poured out lavishly on me, it not only frees me personally, it also frees me to show the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to others. I'm no longer striving to be loved or accepted by others, trying to please them, trying to do the right thing, trying to say the right thing. I'm secure in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm at peace with God. I'm at peace with myself. And I'm at peace with others. I want to just lead us in prayer. There is communion here at the table at the front as well. I say that because I'd like us just to have a time of prayer. I'd love people to respond. I'd love members of the prayer team to be just available to help us if we need that. Just be sensitive to one another. Let's maybe just close our eyes for a moment. Just really feel this morning that God wants to come to us freshly. The Lord with the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's unlimited grace available for us here this morning. Unlimited grace. You know your need of the grace of God. I just want to invite you to begin to acknowledge that quietly in your own heart, your own spirit. 
to thank him again for his grace, undeserved, unearned, poured out on you. Maybe you're living in fear. Fear of what God thinks or fear of what others think. I just want to say to you today that the Lord Jesus, by the person of his Holy Spirit, wants you to know, longs for you to know his grace and to be free from fear. What will God think of me? What will others think of me? I just want to invite you this morning to know that grace is available. It's not based on your looks, on your actions, on on your behaviour. It's based on his love for you, poured out in his blood on the cross. Maybe forgiveness is an area you can't forgive yourself or you can't forgive others. Again, there is grace for you today. Grace to come to him for forgiveness. To know his grace that you might forgive yourself. Grace that you might forgive others. That doesn't mean that they get away with it, that you release them into the hands of a righteous and just God who will do the right and just thing. But you receive the grace to let go of them and hand them to God. You have been forgiven everything in Christ, in his grace. Maybe you're trying to keep a list. Maybe you have a list, whether a mental one or even a physical one. A list of things you need to get done in order that God might do this. A transaction between you and God. I believe there are some of us today who need to be released from carrying around a list. I believe today the Lord would rip up that list in his grace as you come to him, come before him. Mary and Martha comes immediately to my mind. It wasn't wrong that Martha wanted to be busy and she wanted to serve, but Mary had chosen to sit at the Lord's feet. It was more than the food. It was more than the refreshment. There was spiritual refreshment to be known at the feet of the Lord. It wasn't about doing the jobs. Mary had understood that. For some of you, there's an invitation today to come and sit at the foot of the Lord to put down the jobs and the tasks and the lists. Maybe you'll find yourself making demands of others. You find yourself looking at others. They ought to. They should. They should be doing this or that or the other. I believe the Lord wants you to stop that today and come into a place of peace in his grace where you can rest as you are before him and release others to be accountable to him. He wants you to know his love and acceptance which will then flow to others. Now, just as you've heard those things, There'll be different things for different ones of us. If you know that the Lord is speaking to you in any of these areas, if you feel able and you'd like to, I'd like to invite you to stand. Just before the Lord, say, yes, Lord, that's me. Those are areas. Just stand now before the Lord.
Your grace come, Lord Jesus. Your grace come, Lord Jesus. To know your grace. Your grace come. Lord, your grace come. Lord, I just want to pray for those who are standing and, but also for those who remain seated. Lord, thank you today for your grace. Thank you for the freedom that we receive. Just set captives free today, I pray, Lord. Those who feel bound, driven, motivated, whether it be by fear or opinions of others, let your grace come in abundance upon your church. Lord, I pray that this would be a church that is just lavished in grace. We'd be a people that would be loving and accepting and receiving because you have loved us, because you have accepted us, because you have received us. Just pray your blessing. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and meet with us. Thank you. Please be seated. I just would love us to share communion. Let's just take communion together. We need to honour our children. Children are next door and just get them in just a few moments. But let's share communion together. Let's pray for one another. If uh, you would like prayer, you'd just like to pray into this a bit more, I'm certainly available here. One or two of the prayer team can just be a, make themselves available over on my left over here. We've got a bit of space, but... Let's share communion. Let's pray for one another. If there are things you think, yeah, that, what Mark said there, that pressed a button in me, share it with someone you trust and love. Let's pray together about these things. Let's do that. And, uh, and then, as you're able, just please go and, uh, and collect your children.